Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. Here we go. It is a Flyers Daily edition on a Tuesday, January 11th, and this is now take two, an updated edition as we get word last night uh, after the original episode was set to post. Uh, last night at 9.59 p.m. that the National Hockey League has announced that the Flyers and Hurricanes game set for tonight has been postponed. It says the National Hockey League announced today that due to COVID-related issues affecting the Philadelphia Flyers, tomorrow night's Carolina at Philadelphia game has been postponed. The new date for the game has yet to be determined. Well, this certainly opens up to a lot of questions, especially when we didn't see any Flyer players or staff added to the COVID protocol list yesterday. And it makes you wonder why the game last week against the Pittsburgh Penguins when essentially the Flyers had less players available, was not postponed, or Saturday's game was not postponed. Uh, But I digress. Flyers-Canes game tonight will not happen. We'll see when that gets made up, when that will be rescheduled. So that game will not be happening tonight at the Wells Fargo Center. And now it's slated for the next game for the Flyers to be Thursday night, in Boston against the Bruins. We'll see if that game happens or if other names get added to the COVID protocol list uh, a little bit later today. So scrap all the stuff I had for the game preview. And this is now just going to be part two of our Ask Billy. As we had Bill Meltzer on yesterday's episode, uh, as we debated many topics in regards to the Flyers and took some Flyers Twitter questions for a segment of Ask Billy. Well, here is part two right now. You want that guy that can grab the puck behind your net and just, I mean, we see what McDavid does. We've seen with even a player like Panarin is an electric player. Austin Matthews is an electric player. Line A, not electric enough for me. The electricity goes out too often. Right. With Marner is electric. Provorov, Konechny. And uh, a, a first in 2024 for Mitch Marner. You in? Well, money matches. Saying, yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of. I'm trying to think of. Okay, what do you? You know, how do you replace those minutes on D? If yeah. you, you take, I, I, you know, you take Provorov out of, you're not getting a trade. So it's, you know, yeah, that, that, that's the problem there. You know, I, I would need to know what the plan is on, on D to go with that. But you know, but Provorov's then contract's is, good, and Konechny's is good if he can be. A connect me and not D connect me. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And you know, I, I, I mean, I, listen, the Flyers could could absolutely trade Travis Connect. There would be teams that would take him. Mm-hmm. I, I think Travis just really, you know, we've we've been talking. Unfortunately, you know, before the COVID thing, it was always okay. Get him a goal, and and you'll see, you know, you'll see him get on a nice little run. We've seen that with other guys. Yeah, many guys. It's not not just on the Flyers. You know, unfortunately, Travis was still in that situation where, you know, the the confidence just that that you know, and not not getting involved, not agitating. Those 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 are all part of his game, but just just the confidence that when he had the puck in scoring position, you know, um, you know, and, and actually when he was on that, you know, I mentioned Frost because as as sporadic as Morgan has been in, in a lot of ways, you know, he's probably lost three assists on on plays. He said it for Konechny where Travis just didn't finish them. Yeah. You know? So it's uh, you know I so but it, it's well, I'm uh, going to replace Provorov for you, okay? Because I'm also going to trade Igor Zamula, uh, a first round pick in 2023, which is a stacked draft. This is dangerous. Yes, it is. But it is lottery protected, and I'm going to I'm going to put Morgan Frost in there, and I'm going to get Chikrin. I would do that. 
So now I have Ellis went healthy as my right mm-hmm. side, Chikrin. Right. I have Sanheim and Ristolainen. and I'll re-sign Ristolainen if I don't trade him at the deadline. If not, I'll replace that. Yep. And then on my third pair, I'll have Justin Braun and Cam York. Cam York will eventually move into my top four, in particular if Sanheim leaves when he becomes an unrestricted free agent. And you know, I, then I got to find a bottom six defender, you know, a right. five, six D man. But I have Ellis and Chikrin. I have Ristolainen and York or Sanheim, Braun and another left side defender. And I have Mitch Marner up front. Well, I, I, yeah, I, I would do that. And you said if it's lottery protected, then it becomes a 2024 first rounder. Well, he so. traded that though for Marner. But I'm saying, and that was <laughs> I already traded that one for Marner. <laughs> oh, okay. well, I'll trade the 2022 okay. first, which might be pretty high, but lottery yeah. protected again. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I got well, a lot going on here, Bill. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, somebody... Are you moving? Are you moving Giroux in this scenario where you're probably going to get a Conditional first rounder out of it. Bill, it kills me to say, yeah, but I am, and I'm going yeah. to Claude, and I'm saying, I, I, look, I think I don't have any inside knowledge here. I have not spoken to Claude about it. We have not communicated about it, but I just think that this is a situation where he's a competitor, and yeah. I, I think there's about a 95 percent chance if the team is out of it, which I think we all know what the answer to that is, yeah. that he will waive that no move clause. And I think he yeah. will, yeah. You know, uh, try yeah. to pick a destination that makes sense for him and his family. You know, when when we did our preview show of the season, and I said, you know, I didn't even want to fathom worst case scenarios because it was something like this. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, we don't want to uh, talk about it because then it becomes it could happen. Yeah, <laughs> it. Uh, you know, and and it just, uh, you know, but it. I mean, that's that's just that's just a reality of, of where the team is. You know the. Again, the, the wrench in the works is that, and listen, I mean, players, everybody wants to win a Stanley Cup. And and I know Claude Giroux craves winning a Stanley Cup. It's the one thing he's never done in his career. He got close. He got close early in his career, his second NHL season. He was actually an important part of that, which people forget. You know, his his, uh, his coming out party in the NHL was the 2010 playoffs. Yeah. You know? And, and he had that big playoff in 2012 also uh, when the Flyers beat the Penguins. But uh, the Flyers have not really been close since then. I mean, it, it, it's up to Claude. But, I mean, players have other things to consider, too. Family. You know, yeah. now his family's young. So it's yeah. it's not like he has kids that are already in school here and, and those kind of things. Yeah, integrated you know, right? in the sixth grade, right? <laughs> right, right. It, it, then, then it becomes, a you know, but potentially other other considerations come into play, too. Yeah. It's just, it's, uh, but I, I think you have, I think you have to be open to everything. I just, uh, you know. I think you have to be bold, and I think you, you know, again, I think you have to stop short of of just tearing everything down and getting a bunch of draft picks because I I think that's a good way to stay at the bottom for a long time. I agree, so. with no guarantee of ever coming back up for air. Right. Uh, Greg Williams tweeted in and he said, "If you're in complete control of the team, what would be the first things you'd do to fix things?" I kind of just answered that, yeah. um, but Bill, you know, somebody else tweeted in, and I thought this was a really interesting question. You know, uh, regarding this team and Mike Yo, and this is what the question is. I'm just trying to find it here. All right, Bill Frank tweeted in at Old Scrub on Twitter. Nice name. He says, "Doesn't seem like Yo is the answer." I'm not sure. Tockett is a great coach. Who could uh, be potential coaching candidates during the offseason? Torts Lappy and another guy had asked. You know, does what's going on with the team right now 
hasten? Does it speed up or slow down the coaching search? I think the the coaching search goes to the offseason no matter what. I don't see much upside in making any decisions during this season right now. Um, So what do you think uh, as as far as, you know, what the coaching situation is going to look like? I I agree. I don't don't think there's going to be another coach to change this season. I think Mike Yo will be behind the bench for the rest of the season. Um, You know, in terms of the offseason, you know, I know Rick Tockett is a popular choice, um, but I I don't know. I, you know, I think it also depends on what direction you're taking the team. If you're depends, depends on the extent that you're rebuilding, right? Uh, if you're, if you're looking, if you're looking for a coach who's going to come in and, uh, you know, for a year or two implement structure, cause I did the, you know, that's an area that the Davy has struggled with. I'm not judging Mike Yo because just because he's been missing so many players. And he's had a whopping four practices. Exactly. Exactly. So there's been very little chance to implement anything in practice. Uh, last two games, so the game before you were without nine players. You know, this game you're out seven last game. So I don't uh, I, I think I, I don't think it's fair to, to grade Mike Yo at this point. You know, um, I, you know, when when Scott Gordon was a head coach, I, I thought Gordo came in and, and did a lot of good things with the team and that, that the interim role is a thankless role because with the, when you have the interim tag, it basically means that unless you make a surprise run, you know, the GM is going to replace you after the season yeah. and you will see uh, you will see new coaching staff on barring a miracle i mean that's just that's just the uh you know that's just the reality of the situation because that's that's one of the easiest changes to make right um and uh and i think mike yo is a bright hockey guy i've actually been i've been impressed by he you know by the way he's shown his finger on the pulse of the team um i thought he was a good assistant coach i i thought he was a good head coach in in minnesota actually so yeah. You know, it was unfortunate what happened in St. Louis, not to the team, but just for his own situation. But, uh, you know, I, I think I think that uh, borrowing some major turnaround, there'll be another coach next season. If you're looking for a guy who's good with young players, you know, if you're going young, then, you know, then your candidates might be different than if you're just trying to just trying to do another reload, almost like they did last offseason. Right. Yeah. Where then, then maybe Tortorella might be the kind of guy you want for a year or two years maximum, you know, because he has he has a fairly short shelf life. But uh, you know that I mean, listen, every coach is hired to be fired, so it's uh, you know it, it's a tough, tough business. I'm uh, I I'd like to see you know I'd like to see Mike Yo's body work over the rest of the season and then reevaluate. It's just that I mean, honestly, he you know he and the team have such an uphill climb that it's tough. Yeah. It, it it's a tough you're right i totally agree with you that it's if you, it depends on the direction you're going who the candidates are yeah. now, the odd thing about john tortorella is that he coached in tampa parts of well he coached there one two three four five six six total seasons and parts of another right and he coached in new york with the rangers for five seasons he was in vancouver for a quick one and done but then he was in columbus for six so yeah. you'd think he'd burn his way through faster because he burns way hot. Yeah. But, you know, the players that play for him, for the most part, Bill, they love the experience. And I forget who it is. Uh, Marty St. Louis, I was talking to Bush, and he said Marty St. Louis told him that he took him to places and, you know, they had some knockdown dragouts. But 
he got more out of him than Marty St. Louis ever thought he could get out of himself. And he loved him. And I mean, yeah, he, I mean, listen, the, the guy can coach, you know? Yep. Uh, I know, I know one of the ask Twitter questions was, was about Mike Babcock. As, I was as just going to get to it. <laughs> and I mean, Babcock had that run where he was, you know, especially, especially up in Canada was, you know, he, he could do no wrong for a number of years. And then suddenly the Red Wings weren't so good anymore. You know, yeah. he went to a rebuilding situation and then, and then there was the, you know, when there was the, all the revelations about coaches dealings with players, that's a, it's a polite way of putting it, you know, then all of a sudden the, the bloom came off the rose there and, and Babcock, we kind of became persona non grata, right? <laughs> Around, he was, he was one of the first, he was one of the first coaches to be, uh, you know, uh, well, I can't bring Babcock in cause I'm getting Marner and he right. made Marner make that <laughs> list. That's right. The laziest players on the team. That's right. I, I would, I would, if I had a contending team. Yeah. You know, uh, Cause he also coached, you know, he also coached an Olympic gold medalist when he went to a rebuilding situation in Toronto, he certainly wasn't the right coach for that. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, you know, again, it all depends on what you go. I, I don't see Mike Bob, Babcock being the next Flyers coach under pretty much any circumstance, but that is a name that I think will, you know, will, will pop up. If he could get back into the coaching world, he, he would. So uh, you know, I mean, it's uh, once once that bug bites you, it's kind of there for life. But I don't, I don't, I don't see him coming here. Bill, let's get to two more Ask Billy questions. We'll put a wrap on this because this has been quite the episode. I mean, we could just go on and on and on, and we may. Uh, but Dan Knightley is a frequent tweeter to Flyers Daily. He's north of the border. He's a good dude, and he says, "Is Fletcher allowed to do what he knows needs to be done?" I just thought that was such an interesting question because it wasn't leading in any way. Wasn't intimating sort towards certain things, but just is Fletcher allowed to do what he knows needs to be done? It kind of opens up the question: What does he know needs to be done? But yeah. is he allowed to do what he know needs to be done? I, I think he's had so far, and you know, in his tenure, a pretty free reign to do what he, he thinks needs to be done. But whether that, was, yeah, whether that was hiring AV or the uh, the Hayes signing or, or whatever whatever it's been, firing you know? Mac. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and uh, you know, making the making the change this year. I, I think that I think with the if you look at his titles, it's not just GM. It's also you know, it's also president of the hockey ops side, and, and uh, Brent Flair right under him. So I think they have a they have a pretty high degree of autonomy, and the the team, you know, for whatever other issues there might be, the Flyers still spend if they have. Uh, you know, if there, there's a move they want to make. They will still go on spend to make that move. Um, so I'm not, I'm not, you know, I, I think that, I think that Chuck still has a pretty high degree of autonomy, but I think the, you know, the flip side is, you know, it's, it's much easier sometimes said than done. You know, there was, there was a time where the flyers could basically have any player they wanted, even, even into early in the, even in the early in the cap age, you know, when the flyers, when the flyers made the decision that they were going to, take a step back and, and uh, focus on rebuilding the farm system. And they did it. They did it while also at least being a playoff bubble team at the same time, you know, it's uh, kind of, kind of the, the middle of the road rebuild. And, and the funny thing is that seemed to be, re- that seemed to be working for a period of time. You know, it, it's in vogue to really criticize the flyers drafting and development. I think you had to be fair because for, I think for about three years there, you look at You look at any publication, the flyers were first, or at least top three to top five at worst in yeah. farm system rankings. And I don't know, I don't know of any franchise that, that's been more riddled with 
prospect injuries than the Flyers have had. Yeah. You know, I mean, just, just, I mean, it's been crazy. Look at, look at Wade Allison, just as one example. Yeah. You know, Tanner Lusinski, um, I mean, they're all over. Lusinski's going back to Sam Moran, right? You, who knows how he ever might have developed just because, because of all the knee injuries. So it's, it's been, you know, they've, they've had brutal luck in that area. But, you know, but at any rate, I, I think that when they get to the point that they took a step back and you're no longer perceived as a perennial cup contender, you know, uh, I think then other destinations, you know, some of the off-ice stuff, right? Like, uh, you know, Panera wanted to play in the New York market. Um, Petrangelo wanted to play in Las Vegas. I mean, there, would, there was no amount of money the Flyers could have dangled that was going to make him come here. So it, it, with it, no because, income tax. Yeah, well, that's a big thing. Big, yeah, big thing too, right? Florida, Florida, and Texas too, no income tax. But yeah. it, it's, uh, you know, it, it's hard. It's, it's, you know, it used to be whether it was Peter Forsberg or, or Roenick before him. That's that was pre-cap, but still, you know, you could pretty much snap your fingers to marquee guys on there, and the Flyers would either land that player or be one of the finalists. And it, that's not the situation anymore. So it's not like it's not like Chuck can just snap his finger. I want this player. And, uh, you know, you can bring that player in. It's much harder. And with so many deals being salary matching, it becomes even harder, too. You have, but, you do, you know, but you do have to be creative. And you do have to have very, you know, you have to have some foresight on the, on the pro scouting side, on the amateur drafting side. Amateur drafting and pro scouting are, are two different animals. And uh, it takes a different, a different type of um, uh, a different type of perception among scouts because pro scouting you're perceiving, okay, can this guy play? But also, how does he fit in on our roster? What need does he, what need does he fill? On the amateur side, you know, you're weighing long-term upside. Is this guy going to be a pro? If he is a pro, you know, what will his role be, be down the line? And it's just it's a it's a different kind of scouting, and that's why that's why teams have different staffs for. For those two functions, I think you have to, you know, I think you do have to take a good hard look at your pro scouting staff and your amateurs too. You know, I, I you know, I, I think it, I don't think it's all just on the ice. I think you have to look at every aspect of your hockey operations and see how, okay, how can we, how can we do this better? You know? Yeah. I, I, it's interesting. It's a different muscle. It's a different muscle that you have yeah. to kind of, you know, flex to be a pro scout versus an amateur scout. And you're, it, there's a lot of projection, and there's it, there's no set science to it either. There's so yeah. many factors that come into play. I had a guy tweet me earlier today saying, oh, I've been telling you, Flyers supposedly had this great uh, farm system of blue liners, blah, blah, kind of just what you're talking about. And he's like, now I watch the Phantoms, and uh, I don't see that they even have much to offer. But, you know, it, it, what he said he, he told all of us in the local media that it wasn't good years ago. But, but it wasn't us in the local media that was just rating it that way. It yeah. was national media, yeah. and yeah, and, and, it was other, and it was other team scouting departments. They, they, they would, you know, you would talk to scouts before games in the stands. Like mm-hmm. this, this is a great group they got there, and they're going to be, you know, they're going to be a handful in a couple of years. Yeah, it just, you know, that's just how that's how it goes with development. It's, uh, you yeah. know, there's a lot of guesswork. And like you said, you got to look at development as part of one of those things you try and upgrade as well. Yeah. Um, last one for you, Bill. Uh, Chris tweeted in CHHAM57 and said, the NHL trade deadline is about 75 days away. I think it's March 21st, if I recall. He said, is there anything worth asking until the deadline is closer? This is an interesting question. 
because we do know that Vladimir Tarasenko apparently still wants out of St. Louis, but I don't see them moving him. But it, it, you're, not, you're not making moves right now because you can't get as many teams involved in the exchange to drive up, you know, the cost per acquisition of anybody that you may be sending out in a sell scenario. Right. Yeah. And that, 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 that's hitting the nail on the head right there. You know, if you, if you're dealing with one team or one, one team and another that has a degree of interest or whatever, you know, whatever the case might be, it's, it's different than when you're, when other GMs know you're fielding calls from three, four other teams, yeah. you know, sometimes even more depending on, on how in demand the player is. And that absolutely drives the asking price up right, right now. Unfortunately, it's still a market where if you're looking to move a player, uh, other teams are looking to take advantage of you, right? You're, you're, you're dealing from a position of weakness. So you have you do have to wait till close to the deadline, till there's a drop dead date where you get a little bit of you get a little bit of strength in negotiations. So I, I I don't see anything imminently happening. Yeah, I know fans want action and they want it now and they want instant gratification, but you can't microwave a rebuild. You can't microwave the trade deadline. And that question that was asked to me earlier about if I had total control, what would be the first thing I would do? First thing I would do actually would be take a deep breath and not do anything emotional and not do anything uh, on a timeline to satisfy uh, a seething fan base. You got to do things on your terms and you got to make that clear to the other GMs that you're going to be dealing with, that they're on your terms because you don't have the hand. So you have exactly. to, you have to be very calculated in how you handle this. Exactly. And uh, you know, the, the off season creates another, another window too, where, so yeah, when you act, you, you can act too emotionally. I, I agree because when you do that, 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 that almost inevitably you end up making mistakes that you end up regretting. So it's, you know, you do have to take a deep breath here and just let this play out a little bit more. Um, you know, and uh, I, you know, I, I, I know that, uh, you know, I, I know people want to people want to win the lottery, right? Yeah. You want to increase there are people that, that are all about the draft lottery and that's that's what they're keeping an eye on. Um, you know, the draft lottery comes with no guarantees either, right? As as the Flyers saw with, with Nolan Patrick. Um, you know, or and you, you can name name other people too, but listen, look look at where David Pasternak was drafted in twenty fourteen, right? Look yeah. at where Claude Giroux was drafted. Yeah. The guys were drafted in the twenties. Yeah, you know, Braden Point or Nikita Kucherov. Exactly. Exactly. So just so you know, drafting at the top of the first round sometimes. You know, sometimes you look at the best players in the league, and you mentioned Martin San Louis earlier. Those guys was never drafted. Now that's yeah. rare. Yeah. That, that that's truly you know no pun intended lightning in a bottle, but it's you know but you just you just don't know. So I I think with I think just getting your mind fixed on tank 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 is not a is not a very productive mindset as I see it. I I, I think that you want to. You know, you want you want the shortest route to getting better. Yeah, the best player out of that draft with Nolan Patrick, in my eyes, is the guy that was taken fourth. That would be Kel yeah. McCarr. Yeah, Heiskanen was taken third. McCarr yeah. was taken fourth. And right. boy, that goal he scored, Bill. I saw that goal he scored. Unbelievable. And I said, how and, was and this guy never converted to be a forward? That's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. How how was you know? And I know he wanted to go the collegiate route, so that that's why he played junior A. Mm-hmm. But that was also the risk in drafting him because he'd only played junior A at that point. And yeah. it's against a lower level competition. You're going, okay, 
you know, now I think it's going to, I think that's going to uh, project, a, you know, NCAA and NHL. But what if it doesn't, right? And then, then you just draft a junior A kid, you know, and, you know, Pedersen or someone else is still on the board. So, yeah. you know, that, that's, a, that's an element of risk that certainly has been a home run for, uh, oh, for Colorado. But, so uh, you know, there, there's, a, there's, all, there's always risk. And that, 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 that I think, is, is the takeaway point there, that, that there is no one guaranteed path. And any path you take, you're going to have to, you know, engender a little bit of risk. Well, Bill, last thing, I uh, tweeted out a quote tweet from Jake Voracek after he played his 1,000th game. And I just say congratulations to 1,000, Jakey. Class act and one hell of a good player. Cheers. And I got a response from a guy, and he said, hell of a good player. Man, Philly standards have plummeted. And I said, well, you may want to look at his production. And he said, I probably watched 99% of his games. Empty stats when we were out of the race. Nowhere to be found when we were struggling to stay in the race. Months of being invisible. He's a perfect microcosm of the current Flyers state. Big money, little production. There's not right. little production there. <laughs> no, no. I mean, you all know, first of all, you have to take the, the weight of a whole career, right? Yeah. Who was the, uh, well, called him lazy time. and overpaid. Yeah. <laughs> Jake's not a lazy player. No, 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 no. And, and not a guy who doesn't care either. You know, exactly. I mean, if, if anything, Jake gets too emotional sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. takes things too much to heart. You know, now I, I don't think you could ever question how much Jake Vorchek cares, you know, <laughs> how hard he works and what he does. And, you know, I, and I think there's a tendency sometimes to want a player to be something they're not, you know, he's always been a playmaking winger, not a goal scoring winger, yep. you know, and no matter how much you want him to shoot more, you know, he, 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 he has what he knows his game is. So, you know, he was, he was a valuable part of the team for a long, long time. The numbers don't bear on anything that, that his production came, you know, like in late in blowout games or any, anything like that is his numbers actually rank pretty, pretty high up there. He was a good player here. It was time to move on for a variety of reasons. Flyers have done well with Cam Atkinson, and Jake seems to be thriving in, in Columbus. So it, it helped both sides. But, I mean, you know, I, I think you have to appreciate what he brought overall. And, you know, I, I think if anything has been learned this season, you know, it, it's been learned that really Jake Voracek was not the problem. Yep. And uh, those who blame everything in Claude Giroux, you know, will, would, would find out that, you know what, G wasn't the problem either. It's, yeah. it's really, it's really a collective. No sport, no sport is more about the collective than hockey. That's part of what. That's part of why we love the game. Is that the no team is more, no no sport is more team focused or team oriented, and more about how the whole comes together than the, the individual pieces than hockey. So I think that's, uh, you know, the takeaway. Well, I think it's funny. Some people will go, "Wow, man, we got rid of Voracek. He's got all these power play points. He's got one goal this year, twenty four yeah. assists, twenty five points." Yeah. in 33 games but one goal he's never been a scorer he had nine last year uh but all said and done for the flyers in 10 years 727 games 177 goals 427 assists 604 points and in his career 1001 games now 763 points you don't gather 763 yeah. points in meaningless situations i don't care where you play i agree you and you don't get to a thousand games no you know well, you know, whether whatever, whoever it's been, you look at the thousand games played list. There's a reason why that player got there. It's always because it's always because they deserve to. Truthfully, they, they you, you don't get longevity unless you can play. You you can fool you know you can fool some of the people sometimes. You can fool a coach, one coach maybe. You're gonna play for a number of coaches over your career. When you have a number of coaches who you keep you in the lineup, 
and they're doing it for a reason. You can contribute something to the team. So, you know, to, total respect to Jake Voracek. Yeah, and congrats to Jake Voracek on that honor uh, to get to 1,000 games and many more, hopefully, for Jake as well. Bill, thanks for doing this. As always, great Ask Billy episode. Everybody, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow on another brand-new episode of Flyers Death.